The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation and loss. I loved a person who had an HIV diagnosis. To dreams achieved. Or yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. I sat down with a therapist and I began my journey. To those left behind. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season four of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right, no co-host to rein me in, just me and myself in the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nazi V2 was a rocket-powered bomb traveling faster than the speed of sound. You couldn't hear it coming. A technological miracle, but a military and economic disaster for Nazi Germany. How did the V2 come into existence, and why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? Join me, Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, for my gripping mini-series on the V2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I won't let my body outweigh, outweigh everything that I'm made of. Won't spend my life trying to change. I'm learning to love who I am. I am strong, I feel free. I know every part of me is beautiful. And I will always outweigh. If you feel it, put your hands in the air. Show some love to the mirror while you're there Let's take it one day at a time Cause you and I outweigh Welcome back to Outweigh. Today's episode is really exciting for me, Lisa, because I'm interviewing a longtime internet friend of mine who we've never met in person, I don't think, right? No. But we have like a little special something happening over the years. <laughs> and it's yeah, definitely. My friend Madeline, Mad About Food is her Instagram. I'm going to put her amazing website in the show notes below as well because her recipes are out of this world and her online presence is just such a dream. So today's episode is having Madeline on as a guest to talk about her relationship to dieting. And what prompted this was a great newsletter that she put out that says, after 12 years as a chronic dieter, I decided to quit diets forever. The 10 things I learned since quitting dieting. So welcome. Thanks for having me. So excited to have you, especially because you're one of those people, and I, this is maybe a strange thing to say, but you're one of those people that I see that has so much going on professionally, so successful, so good at what you do, and also really confident in a relationship, all these things that I almost, like I'd never guessed that you were struggling with food. 
I get that response a lot with like any of the struggles I've had in life. Mm. So you mentioned I'm in a relationship. I'm in like a same sex relationship. So I'm married to a woman and I get that same response from people who ask me about my process coming out because I have this like somewhat in your face confidence and it's a little bit of a mask, but I've always had it. Like I've always been speak up for myself. I'm always the kid in the classroom who like talks over the boys and tells them like, you know, what's up? Cause it's usually boys who, when you're younger are more talkative in class, I feel like. And so I've definitely been that like bossy little girl, I guess I should say. And so even with coming out and with this whole thing, I've definitely always been one of those people like easy for me to hide behind confidence. And it's a recurring theme that people in my life say like, well, I just thought you were okay. So definitely not the first person to say that. (laughs) And I don't know why I felt like including that. And I hope it doesn't like make you feel any other way. I think even more because we don't even have that like personal in-person relationship, but more you run a food blog, you know, your recipes, when I see them, they don't feel restrictive. They feel really balanced and beautiful. And, you know, I'm somebody who kind of has like a trained eye for people that are struggling with food. And yet I just feel like you kind of would have slipped under my radar if we didn't have a little bit of a personal relationship where you've told me. And I guess the whole point of me even bringing it up is just to say that everybody struggles with something, but when it comes to weight and dieting and thinking about food or body image, there's so much that goes you know, before what meets the eye and you just never know what somebody's going through. So 12 years as a chronic dieter, let's just kind of start there. Yeah. So I guess I was like edging on 13. So I'm trying to do 13 minus my age would be 15. I think it probably could say it started before that, but like I said, I always have this like confident, I've got everything under control personality. And I think everything I've done in life, I've done it from like, it comes from my own brain. I want to do it. It's my thing. And a lot of people have this history of like, maybe they started dieting because they saw something their parents did, or they saw something a friend did or an older sister or whatever. But I just, I guess, saw like in news media or around that, like, there was something to be done of like control what you eat. It's a big, it was always a big control thing for me. Everything in my life that's a struggle is somewhat related to like control and needing to control. And I think a lot of women relate to that, whether it's dieting or other things in life. And so when I first started dieting as a 15 year old or as a high schooler, I was going through SATs and the college application process somewhat of a type A overachiever teenager. And I was like, oh, this is something else that I could focus on, right? Like I could control 150% of this. I can't control 150% of what I do on the SATs, but this is like my own thing. Then since then, it's just been this arc of my life of like, when things get tough, I lean on or used to lean on that form of restriction or control And I have like a very like stocky, solid body. (laughs) So I think a lot of people would have looked at me even at my lowest point and been like, oh, she's fine. She's very healthy looking. Or people would compliment me even that I was maybe thinner than I had been in the past. And so I think that's where like I even got more inspired to share more of it because like you said, everyone's struggling and we all are trained to be like, let me look at your body. 
And let me see what your body looks like. And then I'll judge your health based on that. Right. And it was such an eye-opening process for me to like go back and look at moments in my life where I'm like, okay, that was my thinnest weight ever my most miserable. And then I see myself in pictures with friends and friends who I know, like, don't give a hoot about what they eat. And I look bigger than them in the photos. Right. So it's just this crazy thing that like, it's been 12 years of dieting and 12 years of somewhat silent suffering because of how my body looks compared to other women. And because of my personality of everything is all good everything's good. Look at these super healthy meals I share on Instagram, whether I'm eating them or not is like the other layer of it. But like, that was the arc of my life. And the other piece of it that I'm, we could talk about more is that I have two autoimmune diseases. And unfortunately the world told me that like what I was doing and controlling my food was rewarded in that community, right? Like the less you eat, the more you cut out, the better autoimmune warrior you are. And that has been like the biggest change in the last year for me to be like, that is so toxic. That is so misleading. A, because everybody's body is different. So, right. So like you're told to be vegan, keto, paleo, whatever, to be, to cure your autoimmune disease, but doesn't mean like one of those things is going to work for everyone. And doing those things puts an immense amount of stress on your body, especially if you jump from standard American diet to one of them or from vegan to keto, right? Like whatever you're doing, it's not always going to be this like amazing transformation that people make it seem like in the autoimmune disease community. And I don't want to shame anyone who I I walk a really fine line between shaming people who find relief from these kinds of diets, right. And my journey, but that was a really big piece of my diet journey and what stopped me eventually because of that constant hedonic treadmill Mm. of keep cutting things out. I was on the carnivore diet. So literally like that was the last thing I did. And I was eating red meat and water for a month. And like, there is nowhere to go from there, right? Okay, got it. Is it possible that having two autoimmune diseases also very much contributed to the dieting that you've done over the last 12 years, not just the desire to want to change your body physically? Yeah. So I think it's layered for me personally, and this is work I've done on my own with a therapist of, unfortunately for me, And unfortunately for our society, I was able to use autoimmune disease as a disguise, right? I'm dieting because I'm this healthy autoimmune warrior. When really, if I'm in my most honest, like vulnerable state, I say, it's all about shrinking my body. Mm -hmm. That final diet was, I'm going to go the most extreme, this thing that apparently cures everyone's arthritis, right? And not only am I going to be the healthiest person in the world, I'm going to have the smallest, fittest body in America. And it was so mentally draining that that's the thing that pushed me over the edge to look in the mirror after those 30 days and be like, okay, so I just drank water and ate meat for 30 days. I feel the worst I've ever felt in my life. I have the worst social relationships I've ever had in my life. We're in the middle of a pandemic, right? So not only is my social life this tiny circle, I've lessened it to, I can only eat this very simple, simple thing. And my body looks 
kind of the same as it did 30 days ago. <laughs> I hear you. So yeah, I think just to expand out for a second, you know, for anybody who has an autoimmune disease and you found the diet that works for you and your symptoms are alleviated and it works fantastic, you know, just so that we, you know, speak to everybody here and, and value your journey. Great. But what you're saying, Maddie, is that even though the dieting may have stemmed from a place of wanting to get your symptoms under control, there was for you that other layer of also really wanting to change your body feeling some sort of control and doing really extreme things that impacted your quality of life. It sounds like they didn't improve your symptoms, but let's just say that they did. Even if they didn't improve your symptoms, they were still causing stress for you mentally and therefore not working for you. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing I say to people is like, it's totally about a mindset, right? So if you're in it with the mindset of like doing X, Y, Z helps me and I feel so much better, but I also like live a very normal social life. I also eat the proper amount of calories to fuel my body, right? For me, there was no being on a diet and fueling my body properly. As soon as I went to the, let's cut certain food groups out, and probably because of my history of dieting, I went to, not only do we cut food groups out, but we cut down on calorie consumption. And that's where you really hit that decrease in happiness and quality of life because you just aren't fueled. Yeah. You're, I mean, most your body isn't fueled, but your brain isn't fueled. You, you're going to feel awful if you're not eating enough calories. And I don't think we're loud enough about that. And I don't know, for me, calories like has become not a foreign word, but a foreign word in the concept of calories are bad, you know, but it, it's not a big part of my life anymore. But I forget that for so many people, that's where it always comes back to. And it's so ingrained. And we really have to ungrain that by recognizing that, like you said, like that's where the misery really, really, really comes from. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
iHeart Podcast update this week on your free iHeartRadio app. In retrospect, revisit pop culture moments from the 80s and 90s and try to understand what it taught us about the world and a woman's place in it. Crying in public. Two 20-something college women living in NYC dive into growing up at a time when there was no distinction between what's public and what's private. Best of both worlds. A discussion on work-life balance, career development, parenting, time management, productivity, and making time for fun. Hear these podcasts and more on your free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So this last diet that you went on that you mentioned, this was June of 2020, correct? Yeah. So I think like what I've said before and what we've said about control and about my health, Mm. both are like, this was the peak of it. So I was working part-time as a freelance social media worker and as a also for myself on my business in March of 2020 when the world changed. And by June, I had lost so much income that I had to go back to corporate full-time. And not only was that a problem, I was under so much stress because of the COVID virus. My wife is a nurse, so she was going to the hospital every day. I felt like, not every day, but three times a week. And I felt like I was worried about her, my family, myself. You know, if you have an autoimmune disease, we don't know exactly what, you know, what could happen, but you could be affected worse by viruses. So the stress of that, the stress of having to go back to a job full-time where I had to be an in-person worker in an office full-time, running my own business that was seriously running into the ground out of my own control. I know some food bloggers who had their best years of their life in COVID. Just wasn't me. I wasn't set up that way. And I learned so much, but I had to go back to corporate and I was so lucky that I had a job waiting for me. But this was a breaking point for me under the control and health umbrella of like, my health was the worst it's ever been. And I had no control over my life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, the carnivore diet is the most extreme diet I could ever go on. Why don't I try that right now? The the week I go back to a new job. It's like literally brought cold steaks in a lunchbox. I don't know if that sounds like good to other people, but to, to me, I'm just like, I love that. Like salad, as I said before, is like my favorite food. Like I I'm all for any sort of protein that you want to add, but Was there ever a moment we were like, hmm, I like steak. This sounds good. It's so sad to say it like this because I love food so much, but I had lost sight of like what I loved Mm -hmm, to eat. Totally. Right? Like I didn't know what I loved anymore. So I now today sitting here, like if you take every ingredient from my fridge and put it in a salad bowl over lettuce, like that is my jam. Like I will eat that every day. But I also do love like protein. So it's not all steak, like not, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I, I would assume the people who are on the carnivore diet aren't listening to that way, but maybe they are, <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, um, you can eat eggs right, and I love right, eggs. Right, right. Like that's a huge part of like what I eat still today. But if I'm like in my most honest moments, I'm not eating an egg without any sourdough bread these days, you know, like there's not a day where I'm just eating an egg alone, but there were lots of days during this time when I was just eating an egg alone. So does it sound particularly appealing to me right now? No, but probably more appealing than for some other people. I hear you. I hear you. So this newsletter (laughs) that you put out was really, uh, I waited for it. I waited like two weeks for it. And then it came in my inbox. The second I saw it, I was like, I'm clicking this. I can't wait to read it. And I was shocked because I didn't realize that the last diet that you did was about a year ago. And I love the framing of this piece, 10 things you learned since you quit dieting. So I'd love if we could just like list through them and then just see kind of where that takes us. So point number one, what did, what's the first thing you learned? 
so I bookended this with like my top two. So number one, number 10 are like my most important, but number one is I have so much brain space for more brain space for other things. And that's something that you don't realize until you're out mm-hmm. of the woods of it. And even today, like I just went out to lunch with a friend. There was no like checking the menu ahead of time, double checking the menu, long conversation with the waitress or like long internal battle in my mind, right? About what to order or what am I going to eat for breakfast so that for lunch I can eat whatever I want and look quote unquote normal to my friend. What am I going to do after the lunch? Like so much, I'm exhausted just listing all those things, right? And so now just kind of live and like even going to the grocery store is so much more of a non-issue. It's just shopping. Even though I'm a food blogger and like a lot of it's a very detailed list of recipes I'm making, it's not like an obsessive process. Obsessive is like one of the only words I can say for this. And I think most people can relate to that. Like it's all consuming and you don't even realize it till you're not fully consumed by it. A hundred percent. And I'm so glad you said the last part because that's what I was going to kind of harp on for anyone listening that is like unable to understand what that means. It's the most shocking realization that only happens once you liberate your brain and start doing other things. Do you realize how confined you are by the obsessive compulsive thoughts about food control, thinking about it, feeling guilty about it, planning for it all, you know, just how small it is. So I feel like that's the one that you only understand once you're on the other side and you're like, wow, what else does this world have to offer me? And there's so much possibility on that side. So I love that one. What's number two? A lot of them, I think, would say, like, on the other side of it, I noticed, which is why I wanted to share them, Mm -hmm. right? So number two is, even if every human ate the exact same things, we would all look completely different. And I think a lot of this goes back to, like, systematic issues of diet culture. We all have different bodies because of where we came from. We all have different bodies because of who our families are. We all have different bodies because of, like, how we were raised, or if we have an illness, or if we don't, or anything like that. And it's so funny because I jokingly say to my wife all the time, like, you see my grandma, that's who I'm going to be. Because when I look at pictures of her, my age, we have the exact same body (laughs) type. And like, she just is a more plump woman. Like it's just how she's built. And she's never once been one of those like dieting grandmas. Like I'm going to eat the grape, grapefruit and cottage cheese. You know, I like those foods. So I hate that they're like plumped in on that, but she's not, she's not the dieting grandma. And so this was a huge thing for me. We could all eat the exact same perfect paleo diet today and look different in a year. And I think this is an important one to harp on subconsciously on a subconscious level, because I think especially with social media, with a lot of still photos and images of influencers that we take in, that we admire for whatever reason, even if we know that, you know, we're never going to look like them. I think there is that subconscious belief that if I just do what they're doing, I will get some of that. And I think that's a hard one to break down. All right. So let's move into point number three. All right. So this one, other people were hyper aware of my dietary needs. So this was one, another one that I guess I knew when I was in it, but way more after the fact, which was that like friends, family, even people I hadn't seen in a really long time would like double check with me before we went to do anything like, Hey, what are you not eating right now? And it was really hard for me every single time for like months, this went on to be like, I'm eating everything. (laughs) Like I truly am like, I'll figure it out there. I eat everything now. So people trying to be considerate of your needs, but like, it was such a focus about you that always came up. Yeah. And it made me almost feel like, Oh, I was like, it was that like 
a little bit of like shame of like, I was that person. I'm lucky that a lot of my friends in life are so normal with food. And I hate that word, but they're so normal with food that like I was the difficult one. And so it took a while to like make it through my whole rotation of people I know and I eat meals with to be like, yum, I'm any restaurant's good. Gluten, cheese, meats, not meats, whatever. <laughs> I love that. I feel like even, I guess maybe because like I'm a registered dietitian too, because it's been a long time since I've kind of been in, you know, my uh, things that I eat, don't eat, and I could eat anywhere as well. But I, I feel like I'm still gutting through the people of, oh, you know, there's nothing for you to eat at my house. And it's kind of fun to be like, to show them, no, I eat, I eat everything, you know, but you didn't even realize what a focus your diet was for other people. Yeah, that was the thing. I was like, ooh, people really like knew me as the girl who mm. was on some kind of a diet. I feel like if Amy were here, she would be saying that she 100% relates because she has a lot of people in her life too that just saw her as eating so differently and now are like, wow, you're so much more fun to be around. Even relatives, like we do very consistently like summer summer dinner at my grandmother's Sunday night dinner. She's a big like Italian. And there was always like zoodles or something for me. And it like somewhat pains me now <laughs> to like realize that. But that's why I wanted to emphasize it's been a year because we're finally one full summer from when I did the carnivore diet. And it's like, I show up now and no one even mentions what I eat or don't eat. I love point number five. I still have candy in my freezer from Halloween 2020. I genuinely do. It's a bag. I know exactly what it is. It's a because my sister just ate one. <laughs> it's a bag of Reese's Bats. And I had so many different Reese's candies because I was developing recipes with them. And I am the kind of person who like had to finish and I think a lot of people can relate to this, had to finish the pint of ice cream, had to finish the bag of candy, had to finish the bag of chips, especially chips, salt and vinegar chips for like my guilt food. And I would buy them only if I was out in the car, finish the whole bag in the car and throw out the evidence like at a gas station. What a ritual. A yeah, ritual. A, rich, a ritual, a comfort, a shame around that, right? Like I'm not allowed to be the person who eats the chips. And now... I just buy chips regular, like, like that's the only way for me, at least, especially to get out of this was to make these foods just as regular as romaine lettuce. Right. So like they go in my cart in the store just as often. I probably don't even eat them as often as romaine lettuce, to be honest, these days, but like, it's the whole idea that like, they're not off limits. They don't only get purchased at the gas station. You can purchase them whenever you want them. And that's another one of thing that like, I think took me six months to get to that point. You don't realize how long it takes to get over that obsession. But now one year later, without willpower, you have Halloween candy in your freezer just because you haven't thought about it as much. Yeah. Like I open the freezer how many times a day to get ice and I just like see it. And I'm like, okay, if I wanted one, I'd eat it. I have things that I'd like want more, right? Like you realize that there were things that you were so obsessed over that you don't even like that much. Mm -hmm. Like I also have a ton of ice cream in my freezer and I'm just a salty person. So like I'd rather pretzels. That was a huge, exactly the same one for me too. I was such a sweet person, thought I needed all the willpower, all the rules. And it turns out I'm way more of a salty. We have this, we have the same like flavor profile. Yeah. I just love that one because I feel like the rules, especially even around Halloween and social media 
are all these rules to not eat the candy and to throw it out immediately or give it away or, you know, all these like external rules. And in reality, when you just think, know that you could have these bats, you know, in November, December, February, March, April, May, June, July, they sit there and they they lose all of their appeal. It's just like such a great example of how we do it all kind of wrong. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip. Who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. iHeart Podcast Update. This week on your free iHeartRadio app. In retrospect, revisit pop culture moments from the 80s and 90s and try to understand what it taught us about the world and a woman's place in it. Crying in public. Two 20-something college women living in NYC dive into growing up at a time when there was no distinction between what's public and what's private. Best of Both Worlds. A discussion on work-life balance, career development, parenting, time management, productivity, and making time for fun. Hear these podcasts and more on your free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, number six. Okay, so this one is what I talked about a little bit, starting getting into my autoimmune disease health journey. What we eat is just one tiny piece of the health puzzle. And I have no health qualifications background. So I always want to say that when I talk about this, right? This is all from my own perspective. But I lost sight of all the other things we do for health when I was so into food and so obsessed with food. 
I lost sight of the fact that like, because I didn't eat an adequate dinner, I stayed up all night hungry in bed, right? So sleep, I lose sleep. I was consistently dehydrated when I wasn't eating enough because we don't realize how much hydration is in our fruits and vegetables, right? Hydration, sleep, stress reduction, just as an activity, um, movement as a joyful thing, right? And not as a punishment. So many different pieces that I've been able to add back in. And that goes back to like space in my brain for them. Like we don't even notice how much our brain takes over and says, I don't have space to think about meditation, right? Because you've spent 12 hours of your 18 hour waking period thinking of food. You want to do all these activities, go for your run, do your job, think about all this food for all this time. And you want me to meditate and do red light therapy and get enough sleep and drink water between each of these things. It's just like, Oh, I had space for those things. My brain could breathe. I could breathe. I could incorporate things that help me. And number seven is super interesting. Continuing on with your autoimmune disease symptoms. The thing I didn't write in the newsletter and that I'll share here is that I'm in fertility treatments right now. So my blood is being drawn some weeks, every other day, a lot, but frequently. So people are checking my vitals frequently. My health improved when I stopped dieting, mm. even though my weight increased, right? My health of overall health improved and my autoimmune disease symptoms improved dramatically. I have very little psoriasis on my body and almost no arthritis pain day to day. And that was the thing that I was like, oh, I am for sure going to wake up stiff every day if I let myself eat whenever I want, whenever I want. Because I started this journey literally going from like zero to a hundred. I just said like, no food is off limit. I'm going to eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And sure, there are days when I still have pain, but autoimmune disease is cyclical. So there are flare ups. And sometimes the flare ups, most of the time, the flare ups have nothing to do with what I've eaten. And that was a huge eye opener for me. And I know this is one of those topics where it's like so different for everyone else. I'm very lucky that I learned that I truly have no allergies or intolerances to food. I'm just one of those people who's lucky that I can eat everything. And so for me, like, I feel, I feel so much better. It's kind of crazy almost. And now I have something that's called, and I'll say it wrong, but it's like an immediate autoimmune response. A few people have it. It's called like instant autoimmune response, something like that. I get it from things like certain types of white wine, certain things that I eat, but also levels of stress in my body. So I'll go through a really stressful moment and immediately start to feel a tightening in my joints in my fingers, especially. And I'm lucky to, I say that I'm lucky to have that barometer a little bit to be like, oh, I know when this is affecting me. And when I stopped all of the obsession of food, I was able to tune into that even more and see that stress was my biggest trigger across the board. And I could see that on days when I had just happened to eat, like, let's say I had eggs and some veggies for breakfast and I happened to have a salad with some protein for lunch. And then in the afternoon, a stressful event would happen and I would have an autoimmune response. Clearly that wasn't like, I wasn't eating chips and candy all day. And then I had an autoimmune response. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the things that I say is controversial, wouldn't happen for everybody. Don't know that it would happen for everybody, but for me it was a huge eye opener. And I'm very thankful. And one more thing that you said very briefly, but I think it's important is that we really conflate weight loss with healthier everything. And you said it very quickly, but you said my weight went up, but my symptoms improved as well as my labs. So your condition improved, even though your weight went up. And right. I just think that's an huge thing to highlight because it's so ingrained to believe that the weight goes down, the labs get better. Fact. 
And here you are, you know, really great proof that that's not the case. And weight, maybe your weight could go down and your symptoms could improve, but your weight went up and your symptoms improved. And I don't think we talk about that inverse relationship and its existence enough. What's number eight? Sorry, I'll go back for just a second. I even have posts on my Mad About Food and I've tried to go back and delete some of my most like now I know problematic, but I probably have one still where I talked about if I have a certain amount of weight on my joints, my arthritis pain is worse, right? Sure, maybe that's true in an extreme mm. sense, but the, the, the fluctuation I was referencing in those posts couldn't have possibly been that. It was something else, but I was so obsessed with being in a smaller body that I was like, I can blame my weight on these symptoms. You also said it's the one thing you could control. So if I could pinpoint- right, right, and I can't control these flare-ups always. But if I yeah. could control my weight, if the weight is causing it, then I'll just go back to controlling the weight, which you have admitted is you know how you deal with. I mean, when things physically hurt, Craving control is so, uh, you know, necessary that we have to get rid of the pain. And so we go for the most obvious, but sometimes it causes more pain. Yes, exactly. We're so trained to hate pain, any little bit of it. We call being uncomfortable being in pain Mm. is how much as a society we hate pain. True. So true. What's number eight? At first, my business suffered, then my business thrived. So I actually remember, I think, texting you about this because we were talking at the beginning. When I first stopped dieting, I had so little interest in food as a concept. And this took, like I'm saying, all these takes months, but this was probably like about a month or two into hardcore I let myself eat whatever I want. I am getting more in touch with what real hunger and fullness means to me, right? All those things. Food was fuel and not in the food is this perfect fuel kind of thing. It was more of a food is fuel. I got to get it in my body to keep on with my day, but it's not interesting to me anymore. I left this world of I'm so obsessed with the purity of my food and moved to this world of I need to eat to live and be fueled enough but I don't care that it's gluten-free vegan, right? Or whatever it is. It's not being interesting. And I had to share that on Mad About Food. I stopped sharing recipes as frequently. I had to share and say, hey, I'm not that into this right now. And also, I think there's some things problematic with what I've shared in the past. And I'm distancing myself from these communities, especially the Whole30 community, because I was known as a Whole30 blogger. I had done a Whole30 recipes takeover. I had grown my following on these diets. And so it clearly alienated people in a, in a thousands of followers leave in droves kind of way. And that was fine. I was in such a place at that point where not only had my business tanked in COVID, I was back working full-time. I didn't have the effort to care about food. I didn't have the effort to care about my business. You know, the brain space, I just said, it's fine, leave, whatever. And then this switch happened where all of these women showed up in my DMs, mostly women, I shouldn't say only, but from my perspective, it was who said, I started following you during Whole30 Recipes, which was probably a year prior to me quitting diets. Um, So they had been with me for like a little over a year at this point, right? And they said, I started following you during Whole3 Recipes and I've been on a similar journey where I realized how problematic some of my past thoughts have been about dieting. And I'm so thankful to you because you're one of the few people who's talking about this in this space. And now I was like, I got these, who cares about thousands? These 10 women were so much more important to me than anyone else, right? Because they got it. They were on the same page. And then I started sharing more. I started sharing like, hey, this is my gene size. And I know that's going to be triggering for some people, but I 
don't think that we talk about like a medium body size enough, right? Like there's many of the fashion bloggers are in super small bodies. Many of the plus size fashion bloggers are in a larger body than I'm in. So what about me if I'm like a 29, 30 or whatever it is, right? And so many women were like, thank you for saying that because that made me feel so much more normal about my size. It became this thing. And so my business started to grow because I felt comfortable in who I was and food started being exciting to me again. I started realizing what foods I loved, what uh, recipes I wanted to make. My recipes were so much more exciting to me because I actually liked the food. I was actually eating the food and I've had the best six months of my business even to the, every single month is a record month for me on my blog. And so that's just like an amazing feeling. I mean, that's just also incredible because I feel like whatever, you know, as you grow as a public figure, which, you know, you are or any blogger is, it can feel really scary to say, oh, what I said, what I did in the past, I don't align with anymore, especially if that's who flocked towards you. And I've witnessed plenty of bloggers get backlash for evolving. Like you said, maybe you didn't get backlash, but you lost the followers, which is a loss of income because that's eyes on your page and brands that you work with, I assume. So taking that leap to be authentic is so hard. And yet it is also what makes you stand out. And I loved hearing you say that the 10 women that you know you did hear from were so much more important than the thousands. Because again, I think that is like just who you are and makes you stand out as a great individual. So I just love that. What's number nine? Number nine is I still have hard days. So this is what I was searching for with diets, right? That like, if I eat the perfect diet, everything else in my life is perfect because I controlled this thing and then everything else would just fall into place. And the same thing happened when I stopped dieting, right? When I'm on this journey to stop being obsessed with food, I had this notion that like, once I get to that land where I am right now, where food is just normal to me and I don't feel any way about it, the other things that are hard in my life will be easy too, right? And it's not true. It's not true just like diet is only one piece of the health puzzle. Diet is also only one piece of the mental health puzzle. And my anxiety levels as a whole are definitely much lower because we know that when you're not fed, it's going to increase your anxiety. You're going to be more jittery. It's just known. So for me, that was a huge problem. I would just like fully not be eating until 2 PM some days. And of course, when 2 PM hits, I'm in such a heightened state of stress, anxiety, hyper-awareness that I'm not doing well. So I will say being fed, fully fed has helped those things, but I still have really good days and really bad days in a similar way that I did when I was dieting. What you eat doesn't change all of the other circumstances of your life. Yeah, I think that's the guys that we're constantly being back, you know, roped back into that elusive net that says, again, I think subconsciously, if I can change my body, if I can look a certain way, the other problems will go away. And that's like super subconscious, but it's there. And I also just, just for a reminder for anybody who is experiences that anxiety throughout the day, not to say that food will heal your anxiety. However, nutrients are nutrients for a reason, and they are the building blocks for many of our neurotransmitters and the things in our brain that make us feel calm and happy. So we have to also think about food more than just for our bodies, but for our brains as well. And for our overall feelings of mental health. So thank you for saying that. Number 10, the one we've been waiting for. Yeah, so my life is more full. So just everything about my life is more colorful, fun, spontaneous, lively, all these things because I don't agonize over what I eat in any way. It's just 
easier. Life is easier when I don't have the whole like, what do I eat today hanging over my head, right? Like when I wake up in the morning and I look out at my day, there is still a lot to be dealt with. But what I eat three times a day or not eat three times a day is not one of them. And just like socially, I mean, I know we've been on a roller coaster of what's acceptable and unacceptable for social things, but what is served at the restaurant doesn't have to go under my what can I do today? You know, there's so many other things to worry about that I don't have to worry about what that restaurant serves. I love it. And that is the one thing I hear time and time again is my life is more full. And I think it was your first one. Yeah. That you have so much more brain space for other things. These are the two that when you are in the struggle, if you are listening and you're in the struggle and you can't understand it's what you're fighting for, whether you could hear it or not. It's, it's the space and a new dimension of life that you don't know exists because your current brain structure is, is so limited by those obsessive compulsive feelings. So if you want to know what you're fighting for, it's this I call it like a new dimension because you can't see it until you break through. And then again, going back to that, what I said originally, it's like, there's so much more possibility. And I love that you use the word vibrant and colorful. Like you get your life back. It goes from black and white to color. It's like black and white to color TV. It's the real upgrade. <laughs> yeah. I've heard a lot of people say this about whether it's a, a, an eating disorder or disordered eating or whatever you, you struggle with or just even just chronic dieting, it's like you have a filter on and it's that new trendy Instagram filter that's like a little hazy. (laughs) There's a first layer before someone else's face and the layer is like, what do they think about my body? What do I think about their body? What am I eating? Like it's Mm. blinding me and it's gone now. That's the difference. And I totally, you know, I like that you keep reminding people it's so hard when you're in it. You, you, You have to do some of the other things first to get to one in time. Mm-hmm. And then once you're there, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's what Lisa and Maddie were talking about. Like this is, <laughs> this is the fuller, the fuller life. And it's, it's the liberation. And once you get there, you I'm not going to say you can't go back, going back to there aren't hard days and that this is just like a trajectory upward. But once you experience the colorful life, it's hard to go back to black and white. <laughs> yeah. And I think like there's so many moments where I had like this, you almost get like a fear of like, am I strong enough to keep on this path, right? Am I strong enough to be the person who doesn't diet? But the more you do it, the more you you stay out. It's just one of, for me at least, been one of those things that like, the more you have the wins, the more you're like, I'm not going backwards now. Well, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so thankful that you shared this with your community and continued to stay authentic to yourself, even though it came with an initial loss and now a huge gain, which is what we see time and time again. So we're going to link all of your information below. This is the food blog that you want in your life and go follow Maddie on Instagram. We'll put that information below as well. And thank you so much, Mad. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much for having me.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation and loss. I loved a person who had an HIV diagnosis. To dreams achieved. Or yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. I sat down with a therapist and I began my journey. To those left behind. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nazi V-2 was a rocket-powered bomb traveling faster than the speed of sound. You couldn't hear it coming. A technological miracle, but a military and economic disaster for Nazi Germany. How did the V-2 come into existence, and why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? Join me, Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, for my gripping mini-series on the V-2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.